Amen. Let's stand. Good morning. God bless you. Awesome worship. Awesome time of baptism. Amen. It's always just a great joy to see people following the Lord. A lot of people are admirers of Jesus. They're not followers of Jesus. But Jesus said, follow me. And do you realize he said that because the life that he lived, we can live it with, through him and in him. He wouldn't have said follow me if we were not able to follow him. To follow him in his ways, to follow him in his, in his life, the life that he lived as a prototype for us. And right at the end of the worship, Demetria was exhorting us about the tongue and life and death. And, and man, it's just, it's just so important that we, we get that. Uh, that we agree with God. And that's what the whole word confession means. And I've taught you that. The word confession to the average Christian, they say confession. Or they hear the word confess. The immediate first thing pops in their mind is sin. And that's, that's flawed. That's wrong. That's wrong thinking. That's thinking thinking. When you hear the word confess, as a Christian, you should think agree with God. Because that's what it means. It literally means to agree with God. So we need, a new, we need a new dictionary, not Webster's. We'll call it Dale's. No. We'll call it God's dictionary for words that we think we know what they mean, that we've used so long, but we don't know what they mean. But in the Bible, the, the Greek word that's translated confession is homo, homo logos. Homo means same kind. Logos is the word of God. So the same thing that the word says. In other words, God's saying that you use your mouth to say what I said about it. So the Bible says when you're born again in Romans 10 that you're righteous. So you say that always, even when you've not behaved righteously. Because your righteousness was a gift. It wasn't something you achieved through performance. It was something you received through faith in Jesus. And so even when you've blown it big time, do you, do you know that you're still righteous? You're righteous in the middle of your sin. You're righteous right after your sin because your righteousness didn't come from you. It didn't come from you. It came from him. And nothing has changed. But what can change is how you view yourself, your perspective on life. You know, one of these men said, I, you know, from this point forward, I'm going to live my life the way I should. Well, listen, I cannot afford to have any thought in my mind that God doesn't have towards me. In other words, I can't think about me any differently than the way God thinks about me and be a and, and be healthy, to live the life that he said. If I've got thoughts about me that are different than his thoughts about me, then I'm going to have a messed up, twisted perspective. Amen? And so today I want to talk to you about just, we're just calling this a single eye. Because that's the term that Jesus used. He said, if thine eye be single, then your whole body will be filled with light. And so in Luke chapter 11, verse 33, Jesus says, no one... When he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket. That wouldn't make sense, would it? But he puts it in a lampstand that those who come in may see light. God wants you to shine. Your job is to shine for God. Right? Verse 34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, 
That word good there is not, it, it means healthy. When your eye's good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, in other words, when your eye, literally one translation of the word bad here is wicked or twisted. You ever seen wicker furniture? That's wood that's been twisted, taken out of its natural form, and they perverted it. They twisted it. Now, you don't have to go home and throw away your wicker furniture. But that's what, you understand what I'm saying? But it's twisted. A lot of us have a twisted perspective on life. Something happens to, to divert us from what it was originally intended to be, and we, we're twisted now. We, we think twisted thoughts about ourselves, about our future, about our past. But he says, but when your eye is evil or twisted, your body also is full of darkness. Look at that. Therefore, Jesus said, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. Isn't that something? He said, take heed that the light that's in you is not darkness. This same passage is, is in Matthew 6, and, and in that passage, Jesus, Matthew says, how great, and if it does become dark, how great is the darkness? So he said, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Now, what did Jesus mean by all this? What's he talking about? He's really talking about a dual perspective. I started to call this message Cyclops Christians. If thine eye be single... If, 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 if you have, one, if there's just one objective, one view, but if you have a dualistic, duplicity view of life, your eye's not single. Um, a lot of people want to change the way they be, but you'll ne you understand, you'll never change the way you be until you change the way you see. You got to see it God's way. You've got to see through the eyes of truth. You've got to see everything that happens in your life through that one single vision of truth. And if you see it through, if you allow any other view to come into play, then the light that is in you can become dark. This is how Christians get depressed. This is how Christians lose hope. This is how Christians lose their joy. This is how Christians lose their purpose in, the, in their life and their existence. Right? Go ahead and sit down. I have to do it different every Sunday to kind of throw you off. I, I think one of the greatest things that is a problem, in other words, I, I've, I've talked to, I've met, now, you know, not at this church, from other churches, right? Miserable Christians. Born again on the way to heaven, but in, in the real gut level, they're miserable. How could that be? How, how is that possible that you could be born again, a child of God, a new creation in Christ Jesus, declared righteous before God, holy before God as a gift, eternally secure in him because this is, Jesus said, eternal life, that they might know you, the Father, Eternal life is not something we're waiting to see if we get. It's something we've already received. And we've already been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And now we're depressed. 
and now we're in despair. We're in hopelessness. We're miserable. We've lost our way. We're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. It's, it's, from, it's from, the eye, from our eye not being single. Now, I want to say something to you. See, a lot of folks that entered into Christianity that received Jesus, they, in other words, they did this with a selfish view in mind. They had a, uh, a, a, a dualistic view of the purpose and the reason for salvation. And some are totally missing the whole purpose of salvation. Now, one thing that at least when I was raised up around a lot of legalism, but one thing that they got clear into me is that it wasn't about me. In other words, salvation was not so that I would just have a better life. That in other words, some people will shout the church down, they'll make laps because God supernaturally paid their rent payment. But next month, if it don't hit on time, they won't even get a hand, no, they won't even raise a finger to God. And they'll wear that scrowl on their face to draw attention and say, y'all need to pray for me. And it's like God's died or changed. And there's not a verse that said God will always have your rent paid on time. Because God don't pay rent, you do. Y'all don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. What I'm trying to say is God surely cares about your rent. He cares about everything you care about. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm saying it doesn't change your position and it should not change your joy or your view because God's the same. Uh, but when we see our salvation through a selfish view, in other words, our intention is to serve God, but we're serving God, listen to me, as the means of our own happiness. In other words, we got in this thing because we wanted to have a better life, and so the ultimate intention being self-interest is the purpose and the reason behind our salvation and so we, we make serving God, living God, shining, being that lamp, we make that as a subordinate end, not the primary focus. Am I making sense to you? And what happens is then if that's your deal, then your, every, your mood goes up and down based on what's going on in your life. In other words, I've told you this in these last few weeks, I can only then be, in other words, if I woke up this morning for you to treat me right, then I'm at your mercy. Because I can only be as good or have as good a day as you're doing me. So if you do me badly, then I'm having a bad day. If you go to work and you got to have your coworkers to affirm you and to make you feel valuable, then if they don't affirm you, then you come home and say it was a terrible day at the at job today. So your life is constantly on a roller coaster because you are at the whims and the mercy of how people treat you. But if you woke up this morning, see, I started to preach a sermon called the, uh, a woke church. <laughs> Some of y'all, woke. Are you woke? A woke church, that they, they view life differently. In other words, if I wake up to be loved, then I'm forgetting that I'm already the beloved of the Father. But I don't have to be loved by you to be all right. Am I making sense? Because you're already beloved. You're the beloved of the Father. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so you're in a constant state of being loved by God. Because nothing changes that. Nothing subtracts from that. Nothing. While you were yet a sinner, Christ loved you. God demonstrated that love. He didn't just say it. He did by dying on the cross for you with no guarantee that you'd accept the sacrifice that he laid down his life for. And that was for us. Amen?
So it doesn't make us non-valuable, but Ephesians 1 says that, that you were adopted as sons and daughters of God for the praise of his glory. 2 Corinthians 8 shows us in that chapter it's not about us. In other words, you, you, see, you inherited a self-view from Adam, right? All these feelings, all these emotions, they say, well, God made me that. No, Adam made you that way. God didn't fill you with jealousy and envy and, and, and fear and anxiety. You have to be taught that stuff. You start early with kids. You tell them, don't touch that. That'll kill you. You teach them what to fear. I'm not saying there's not wisdom in, in certain things, but I'm telling you, you know, that's why God said to Adam and Eve, God, who told you you were naked? Somebody has to tell you these things. They have to teach you these things. And so the Bible says we were created in the image and the likeness of Adam. That's why we were born into sin. We were, the Bible says we were born into Adam, the first Adam. Thank God that Christ came as the last Adam, and, and, but he didn't, he didn't say, well, I'm going to try to make it better. I'm going to try to give a paint job and do an overhaul on this. No, I mean, you've you got to understand that's the whole reason we did baptism. You're dead. It's absolutely clear that something died. And that's something with you. We were crucified. Most Christians don't even know that. You were crucified with Christ. You were crucified with Christ. And so that old you, you're not trying to make the old you better. You, that's why Paul said in Romans, reckon yourself as dead unto sin and alive unto God. You, you've got to reckon yourself. In other words, you've got to declare yourself. No, I'm dead to that way. That's not me. That's not who I am anymore. That's the old me. That, that me's dead. I saw him die at my baptism. He went under the, the grave. He drowned there. Well, that's the whole purpose of it. So You know, you're holding your breath. You can't breathe. So it's symbolic of death. You go under. You're buried. A new you comes up. Resurrection. A brand new person. A new creation. Not the old person. The new, the, the new person. And, and if we don't have that perspective. See, listen, there's always going to be, in other words, every one of us in a, in, in, a, in a symbolic way as Christians, we still live in the garden. Can you just kind of think that way for a moment? We live in the garden, right? And, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil is there still. And the tree of life is there. And you get to choose. You get to choose every day what perspective you're going to have on what's going on in your life. You, you get to choose. So you can go and believe the lie and you can eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat of that, there's nothing in that tree but death. But you still get the choice. But the tree of life is there. That's Jesus. You can, you can have his perspective on everything or, or, or you can take his. See, our circumstances will not dictate truth. They will not dictate truth to us if we have a single view. And what is that view? It's the view of God. It's how God sees things. It's, it's what God says. I love uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 17 and 18. Listen what it says. Paul said, he said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people the, in, in other words, what Paul's doing here is he's giving his Damascus Road testimony and he's sharing with these people what God told him. And God said I, to Paul, he said, I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Now look what he says the purpose of this, to open their eyes. To open their eyes. Why? In order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And you've got to understand this thing, it all started back in that garden. And, 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 so, and so what we have in the garden is, 
is we have uh, Adam and Eve being preached to by the serpent about God. I want you to think about that for a minute. In other words, that serpent is telling and giving them information about God. He says, hath God said, and then, and, and, and then he goes on to say, for God knows. In other words, he starts telling them what God knows. In other words, we, he, he's preaching God to them as if he knows God. He's giving Adam and Eve information which is not true about God. Because he said the reason that God's not done this prior is because God, for God knows. If God knows, then this is, this is, this, I'm telling you about God. This is what God knows. And so they believe that lie and they plunge not only themselves but all of us into death. Because God said in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we know that he didn't mean as soon as they took a bite of the fruit, whatever it, the fruit it was, that they would drop dead. Because that didn't happen. But that death came. The Bible says that, 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 that sin entered in and death through sin. In other words, sin entered in, but death through sin. And, and, and so you, you got, if we have that dualistic duplicity, and how we view things, then we're, we're going to always be fluctuating up and down, and we're going, to be, we're going to be miserable. If you got saved and born again just to not go to hell, that's a selfish reason to be born again. See how, see how you heard how many amens I got on that? That was a lot of them, wasn't it? I can preach with them without them. Been doing it a long time. But you know, a lot of people, they use that as their motive. I travel a lot now in, with what I do, and, and I, see a, you know, I see a lot of church marquees, a lot of church signs. And they're some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen in my life put on church signs. Just abs Not only are they dumb and hilarious, but they're pitiful and sad. You know, just and, and you can tell by reading their signs that they have no clue to the grace of God and they have no clue in how to reach the lost with the good news of the gospel. It's like, you know, eternity, you know, smoking or non-smoking section, you choose. That's like LOL. <laughs> That's funny to you then, huh? That, that you're telling people, you know, turn or burn. And all, all, all these little sayings that, that a church has, it, it, it just reveals that, that at least whoever's putting the sign up don't have a clue. That, that's not going to make anybody, oh, turn to burn. Let me just pull in there and get born again. It's just not going to happen. It's just, and, and, and we, we just totally miss it. Um. Uh, Jesus did say things like, you know, we overcome it. And I, and I grew up in church here, and I, it's in Revelation 12, but it says that, that, you know, we've overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And normally they stop right there. He said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
But what's the next one? Please, one at a time. I can't have this confusion. <laughs> and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You understand overcoming the enemy by the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony is all tied into how much you love yourself. But they, what made that work in their lives and give them that overcoming power in their, in their life is they didn't love their lives unto death. In other words, they didn't get saved to have a better life, to have a nicer house and a nicer car, and to have no problems and everything to always go your way every day. And therefore, when things did not go their way every day, have you ever read about the lives of New Testament believers? You ever read the life of Paul and, and all the stuff that happened to this guy? But yet not one time can you ever show me one verse where he said, y'all just pray, man. I mean, I never saw Jesus just like Jesus, you know, talking to Peter and the disciples, you know, to listen, man, Peter, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I just need y'all to lift me up in prayer. I, I'm, I'm just about to lose it here. I've done everything my father's told me to do. These people are getting on my nerves. They're trying to stone me. They accuse me. They spit at me. They, they call me all kind of names. I'm just trying to obey the Lord. I don't understand why. Here we go. Listen, I believe in prayer. Prayer is big time important. But the way a lot of people use prayer, the, really the, the, the result of prayer is make me feel better right now. And instead of receiving a life, you receive a confessional. And I'm talking about you just confess your faults, confess your sin, and then you just go on and, and, and go to repeat it all over again. And, and that's a miserable way to live this Christian life. And that's not the life that God gave you through Christ Jesus. God's made you an overcomer, but you, you, you've got to get yourself out of it that it's all about you having a wonderful time. That's why I've been telling you, the Apostle Paul could write from a Philippian jail while awaiting execution and talk about joy and, 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 and being joyful and rejoicing 17 times in four little chapters. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. And he's talking about joy and rejoicing, and he's pinning that, that, that letter in from, from, to the Philippians and, and, and four chapters, it's a little short book, a little short letter, and, and all he talks about is the joy of the Lord. And, and he never changes. And that's why when he goes to, to Acts 16, again, and he gets thrown into a jail, and his back's beaten, and he's chained to a wall, and it's midnight, what does he do? He sings praises loudly to God and all the other prisoners heard him and their lives were eternally affected by seeing somebody that does not react to everything that doesn't go their way as if God died and I'll tell you a lot of, I don't know what we listen we, we got to get we got to get that part out of us you, you're, not, you're not saved so that you would just have a smooth ride into heaven. And in fact, you really wasn't saved to go to, I mean, we've reduced salvation as a, you know, a plane ticket, rapture ticket to heaven. It's not that at all. It's that when, when sin entered into the guard, we were separated from our Father, and Jesus is the way back to the Father. Jesus said, no man goeth unto the Father except through me. The, this whole thing is not so that you'll get a mansion with your name on it. It's to get us back to daddy. It's get us back what was, what was ripped and stolen from us. And, and God said that the damage has been so severe, I can't put a paint job on this. I'm just going to go ahead and bury you with my son, and I'm just going to make a whole brand new you. How's that? 
And if you lose sight that you're a brand new creation, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And, and you, you, you have to claim that because you're still riding in an earth suit. But that's not who you are. Who you see in the mirror is not who you are. This is not kind of psychological stuff. It's the Word of God. You, you were born again. And if you don't understand that, spirit, soul, and body, that you were dead in trespasses and sin, but once you received Christ, you were immediately translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now you are sons of light. You are the light of the world. And God says, I want you to shine. And I want you to shine every day of your life because people are going to See, shining light exposes darkness. It reveals hope in a dark place. Remember one time when I was a young teenager, this problem car in anyway, middle of the night. But what did I look for? Car's done for, I can't drive it. I'm looking for light. And I saw a porch light. And I walked to the porch of this guy's house because why? He had there was a light on. Three o'clock in the morning, I knocked on the door and prayed he didn't shoot. I called my friend and come got my car and everything was okay. But I'm, my point is you go to the light. There's a lot of people out there, man. They're in darkness. It's no kidding. But God says, I want you to shine. Nobody puts a a light under a basket. God says, I want you to shine. Shine through what? Okay, shine while you're in the jail. That's what Paul did. He's not like, okay, I need to put on an act here. Because nothing changed. Well, his back's beaten. That's not a good day for your physical flesh. Your back is beaten. You've been locked up. All you were doing was obeying God. Said, so, man, listen, Peter, I just need Jesus. Said, Peter, man, I just need you. Y'all just hold me in prayer, man. Don't push me. You know, I'm under a lot of pressure here. I mean, I ain't got but, you know, just about three and a half years to get what Papa told me to do. And these people here are not cooperate. And I just need y'all to pray for me. You ever see Jesus talk like that? You ever see people, Jesus, say, I don't understand? I don't understand why God let me do this? Last week, I mean, my heart breaks for the people in Nashville, Tennessee, and that whole surrounding area, and all those people that died and, the, you know, all that. And I, and, and, I, and I hate when those things happen, and, but doubly I hate it because of the dumbness that comes out of preachers. And, and unfortunately, this stuff seems to find its way to me. But a very big, prominent church pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, he blogged about it. I should say he threw it up about it. Because that's what, that's what it amounted to. And, 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 the, and he started out. Now, he's got a lot bigger church than me, okay? But this, this is the deal. Why would God allow these tornadoes to hit? That's, that's, that's his premise right out the gate. That was his t- Why would God allow these tornadoes to hit our area? Well, first off, your question's wrong. Because you're saying God allowed it. And that right there, the average John Doe Christian running up down this world, guys, that's their view. They've got a twisted perspective on life and what happens in life. They've got a messed up view of God. And they are quick to, to perpetuate that throughout the world of anybody that will listen to them. And they confuse the daylights out of people and they falsely blaspheme the name of God. And they accuse God of things that he's not guilty of. Anything that you ever think you know about God, I told you this last Sunday, that you cannot prove in the life of Jesus Christ when he walked the earth, you need to question it. 
because Jesus is the will of God. Jesus, the Bible says, is the exact representation of the invisible God in a physical, visible form. Jesus came to show us the Father. And he was amazed when they said, show us the Father. He said, I'm amazed you have not seen the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father and I are one. That's what he said. And, and, and so any view you've got about God that, that you can't prove, don't, don't, don't drag me to Job. What about Job? What about Jesus? Don't carry me to an inferior man revelation of my Father God Job, I mean, Job's in there, and there's purpose and reason, and it doesn't nullify or cancel out. It's no issue at all, only to the religious mind. You can see, I, I, calm down, Dale. Okay, all right. <laughs> Find my center. <laughs> but see, man, you can tell I'm passionate about that. Because I love my papa, and he's not guilty of all these things. And so when I see people that tote a Bible and that should know better, I have patience for them. I understand. I was that guy. That's the view I had. So I got patience for it. But my God, let's get a hold of grace. And let's stop telling people that God kills 25 people in the Nashville, Tennessee area, you know, because of sin. And because they needed, you know, revival up there or, or all the other ridiculous things that this guy had in his blog. And, you know, and I even sat down and I started, to, you know, okay, here we go. Because I've already done that on my, on my site several times, you know, you know, hurricane, blah, blah, here we go again. So I started to just repost this. And, it, and, 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 and my heart breaks for the people. And it also breaks for people that are enduring that, burying their dead, and yet, and thinking in their mind, God did this. And if he didn't do it, if his finger wasn't on the trigger, he furnished the gun and didn't say anything when, the, when they pulled it. That's the same difference with me. If you, you shoot me or you allow somebody to shoot me, I'm still shot. Hole's still the same. You know what I'm saying? So, so all them little games you play with religion, well, the Lord doesn't, he didn't cause it, but he allowed. Tell me one storm Jesus ever blessed. When Jesus walked the earth, name me one storm that he ever blessed. I'm awaiting. There's not one. Tell me storms he rebuked. I can show them to you. Now, if God is behind every natural storm that comes, and Jesus rebuked the storm, then that means he rebuked his father. And that means that their kingdom is divided against itself, which cannot stand. The reason that Jesus rebuked the storm is because it was demonic in its origin. And it was trying to drown and destroy those disciples in the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus rebuked it. And he used the power of God and he commanded it to be still. And that's why another time, this was the first occasion that they were in a storm. And another time they're out in the boat by themselves. Now Jesus was asleep on the boat that time. And I've told you this before. See, you we wonder why we don't have more authority because we don't believe God. And I don't mean that as an indictment. I just mean that as a wake-up call. We don't believe God. And I told you, you, you can't speak to what you can't sleep through. If you're running around taking pills and pacing and walking, and then you're going to try to throw the word of Jesus out there like an incantation that's going to make it go away, you're just kidding yourself. The peace of God passes all understanding. Jesus didn't come to give you peace. He came to be your peace. 
Peace is not something you need it and run down at the Walgreens and get it filled and then go home and take some when you're anxious. Peace is, you know, grace is not like, man, you know what, I blowed up on my wife last night, but thank God for his grace to cover. No, that's not grace, dude. Grace keeps you from blowing up on your wife. It's not the repair patch after. <laughs> the grace of God teaches us to say no to these things. The grace of God is the power of God. Because it's a gift. I didn't earn it. I didn't achieve it. I received it. Right? And, and so, so Jesus rebuked storms. Why? Because they were demonic in their origin. And I've told you this last Sunday. We didn't spend a lot of time on it. But every, listen, every miracle that Jesus did, he did as a man. Not one miracle did Jesus do when he walked the earth did he do as God. Amen, Brother Dale. Amen. And that makes you think when I say that. You start filing in your mind through the miracles that he did. You mean even walking on the water? Yeah. I mean, I didn't get to see it, but I've heard of, I, you know, I, I heard, uh, you know, I believe it was true because, I, you know, I have faith in the person that was telling it. We're a missionary. I, the missionary walked across the water to an island over to preach to people. Walked right on the water just like Jesus did. There was no boats. People need to hear. He was smart enough to believe he could do what Jesus did. I need to get over there. He just started walking. I don't believe that. I know you don't. That's your problem. <laughs> Every miracle Jesus did, he did as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus did not come to pretending he was man, he was really a man. That's why Acts 10, 38, God had to anoint him with the Holy Ghost. And then what did he do after he got anointed? He went about doing good. He anointed the sick and oppressed of the devil. But before then, Jesus couldn't do anything. And so from the time Jesus was born until he was 30 years old, he had no power of God flowing through his fingers to do anything. And Jesus didn't walk on his water as a baby. And when his dad Joseph died, however he died suddenly or long, over long suffering, he did not heal his dad. But he buried him and became the leader of the family in the carpenter business. And he saw his mom cry, and he saw his brothers and sisters cry, and he could do nothing about it. And he could not heal the leper that he passed by every day to go to work, and he couldn't do anything about all the tragedy and all the trauma and all the stuff that he saw. He couldn't do anything about it. Why? Because he was not endued with power from on high yet. And yet he was the son of God. But at his baptism service, he was endued with power from on high. He was baptized by God because how can God be anointed? God's already anointed. But Jesus needed to be anointed. Don't you need to be anointed? And we receive that anointing when? When you get born again. So you don't have to pray for the anointing. You just thank him for the anointing. And you have confidence in the anointed one who now the Messiah lives in you. How can you not be anointed? The anointed one lives in you. You're anointed. Knock it off. Stop praying for what you already have. You already have the anointing. And I'm telling you, you're looking at a guy that spent decades praying for the anointing, begging for it, fasting for it, pulling the carpet up for it. I wish somebody had come along and said, hey, dude, get up, man. You're wasting a lot of time. You already have it. I'd have looked at him like, I already have it. Are you kidding me? Rebuke you. <laughs> Every place in the New Testament that you see about the anointing, you, it's always in past tense. But the anointing which you have received, Paul said, 
All these things that I used to spend so many hours praying for. When you look at Jesus, he was the prototype for us. He's like, follow me. This is how you can live your life. Dependent upon the Holy Spirit, listening to the, to the Father, doing what he says. Just being, and expect him to back it up. Just expect him to. Just expect God to show up and to do what God does. And, 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 and so Jesus came in that flesh. He, he grew in wisdom as a 12-year-old boy. He grew in wisdom. How do you, how, if he's God, don't he know everything? Yeah, but Jesus didn't know everything. Can you hear that? When Jesus walked the earth, he did not know everything. You ask the average Christian, they'll tell you he knew everything. Any proof for that in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. Yes, matter of fact, there is. They asked Jesus one time, when would be the end? Jesus said, no one knows that, only my Father. And then he was very clear. He said, not even the Son, not even me knows that. He said, I don't know that. I don't know. There were things that Jesus did not know. When Jesus was tired, worn out, sitting at the well, the woman shows up. He just says, I'd to have a drink of water. I'm thirsty. Does God get thirsty? Does God sleep? Didn't I tell you Jesus was sleeping in the boat? So who was that sleeping, Jesus or God? It was Jesus. I mean, Jesus was always God, but he didn't avail himself of his divinity. He laid that aside to be one of us so that he might save us, so that he might be our prototype, so that we would have confidence in following him. And Jesus said, if you want to judge between the spirits, 1 John chapter 4 1 John 4, 1, he said, Beloved, this is how you know and don't believe every spirit that's in the earth. For this is how you know the spirits of God and the spirit of the devil. He said, Anybody that will not confess to you that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that is the Antichrist. Because anybody that will tell you, see, that's God's, that's God's big deal. If anybody will tell you and try to convince you that Jesus Christ did the miracles he did as God, Jesus did the miracles he did as, a, as God, he, did them, he raised the dead as God, he walked on the water as God, he healed the leper as God, he did that as God, then God said that's the spirit of the devil. That's the Antichrist. Because if that's true, then it rips away your possibility and mine from following him. And when Jesus said, follow me, that was a lie because we're in, we, there's no way we could follow him because we're not God. And so it's the whole thing is a sham and the whole thing is a big joke and we're just crippled and broken and bruised and just, we can't do anything. And God said that's anti-Christ. Notice that the Satan is called the anti-Christ. He's not anti-Jesus. He don't care how much you go kumbala, you can run around the church with 14 flags in both hands and I believe in all that. You, you can praise God all day, you can do anything you want to, stay in the floor, pray all night, fast till your bones can be counted, but not know that you can do the same works that Jesus is doing greater than these because he's gone to the Father. That's what Satan don't want you to believe and know. So he's not anti-Jesus, he's anti-Christos, power of God. That's what he's anti. That's the anti-Christ. He's against that part. Because if you have Christ in you, see, he's anti-Christ, Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. If any man be in Christ, don't get mad. It ain't, don't say if any man be in Jesus. Because there's a bunch of people named Jesus, and there's a bunch of Jesus in the world, but there ain't but one Christ. <laughs> it's a whole big different deal, man. If any man is in Christ, that man is a new creation. 
If any man is in him. See, that's where the life flows. Where? Because of the resurrection power of God. And so you got to see that's where it comes from. And so the anti-part that Satan wants to war against, to come against, is that part right there. And that's the part that we have to stand in confidence and faith in the resurrection of Jesus and say, listen, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, isn't that what the Bible says? It dwelleth within us. And it's just, guys, that we don't have a twisted perspective. And that when, you, when Jesus said, follow me, he said it because it's possible. It's, it's absolutely possible to follow him, to walk as he walked, to live as he lived, to have the faith because God's gifted you with every bit of that. And, 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 and the, all, all these things in life that we inherited from Adam, if we yield back to that and have a dualistic, duplistic view of things, and so we're like, well, you know, see, that, that's why when we were saying, you've you got to say what God says. And maybe you just need to say it until you believe it. I, I don't know. But the Bible teaches these principles that you can't see it some, always in the exact quote verse by verse. But most all Christians understand this. But let the weak say I'm what? So the word say there is the same as like confess. Let the weak say I'm strong. Now that looks stupid to the world. Let the poor say I'm what? Let the sick say I'm well. Okay, so what we're doing in those things. And so in other words, what we're saying is that I'm sick because my nose is running. I can't breathe. I got a fever, whatever your deal is. I'm sick. We're saying, uh, I, don't, I don't have the money to pay the bills. My checkbook's right in front of me. Uh, the money's not there. The bills are there. The money's not there. You know, you, so you got all these things, and, and, and you're not denying the existence, but you're saying you, you live, you and I, from a different firm foundation that we sung about today. We, we live from a different perspective. Now, if the average, you know, person don't know Christ, don't know the Bible, hears that, they think that we're just being stupid. But let, let, let the weak say, I'm strong. We sung it. He, he came to be our strength. Uh, weakness wins if he's my strength. So I don't have to be strong because he's my strength. I don't have to be righteous because he's my righteous. I want to display his righteousness out at the end of my fingertips. You know, I used to train paramedics. I was a paramedic for 20 years. I taught school for Moultrie Technical College for six years. Man, I, I, I saw some very intelligent people enroll in my class to be an EMT, paramedic. But we were training people so they could take the state test, be certified, and get on the ambulance, okay? And when, you, when people call you, you got to be able to help them. You can't pull up at a wreck and show them you're, you know, you made a hundred on your last test. I mean, no offense. I remember I had this one person. I won't even say their gender, but I had one person that was a psychologist in my class. Man, extremely smart, very intelligent. Could not get the EMT stuff out the fingertips. You understand what I'm saying? I had to fail them because, believe it or not, there's a big practical portion of being a paramedic. <laughs> You have to do something for the people. You can't just stand there and impress them with medical knowledge. You have to be able to bandage their wounds, stop their bleeding, splint their fractures. Put a, you know, you got to be able to do the stuff. And so 
uh, we, we would do these scenarios. You know, we'd bring them into a room. Okay, here's this. We'd lay it out. Okay, now go. And we'd watch them, and, and, and this person would just always freeze up. Just could not do, just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. And finally, I had to just call them aside. You know, man, you're acing everything written, but you're failing everything practical. That sounds like a lot of Christians. We're acing it. We can, we can debate theology, but it ain't flowing out of our fingertips. And we're just scared. We don't have the confidence in him that's in us. So you can lay hands on the sick because God says you can. And he's the one that made the promise and they shall recover. You can cast out demons. You don't have to call me. You don't have to call the preacher. You don't have to call... So you, you, can, you can do the stuff. But somebody has convinced you along the way because, see, it's no different, and I'm, and I'm closing with this, it's no different in the garden. Satan said, hath God said? That's no different than you thinking this. I know he heals, but I don't believe he'd heal through me. I, I, I know he can do this stuff, but I just don't think he would use me to do it. So you're thinking the same twisted perspective. And what that does is it drains you of confidence. And it's not confidence in you because that's what we're trying to get you to turn loose of. Now see, I don't have time to get into it, but when the Bible says take up your cross and follow me, there's only one passage. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Only Luke says daily. And the word daily is not in any original manuscript. Okay, but let's just, let's not make that the point of issue. But the Bible says, Jesus said, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself, right? Take up his cross and follow me. All right? A bully with a Bible will take that verse and make this thing where you got to deny yourself in order to be this and this and this. Listen to him, look at me. Giving up Facebook, food, and fun don't make you holy and it don't make you righteous so if if this thing's about self-denial giving up food facebook and fun in order to be righteous and to be right with god then what it's going to leave you with was anxiety and fear and dread because you'll always have this thought maybe i hadn't denied myself enough maybe i need to deny myself more and what that is is DIY Christianity, do it yourself, and it is a lie from the enemy, and all it does is perpetuate religious perfunctual form without power. Right? So he can't mean that. And, and, and why did Luke say daily? Let's just say Luke actually said daily, and we got that in there with the translators, but why would Luke say daily? Because Luke is just trying to emphasize that this is a daily confidence, and when, when, it, when it says take up your cross, it's not talking about you getting on the cross, because you understand that if you got on the cross, it would accomplish nothing. And if you could ever get on the, a cross and accomplish anything, then you could have been the Savior, and we could be worshiping you. But the Bible says clearly that our death would accomplish nothing. No matter. So the cross that you're taking up daily, let's use Luke's word, is his cross. That, that's what you're doing. And so you stand every day in the finished work of the cross. That's what Jesus is saying. In other words, you're denying yourself. Denying what? Denying my self-righteousness. Denying my self-effort. It's not about me. 
See, I've told you, the Bible says for you to lay aside, me and you to lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily hinders us. Comma. And then it tells you how. Next verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author. And, and if he authored it, he's going to finish it, which is your faith that he gave you. Because he's given to every man the measure of faith that you would need to make it. So that, that's, that's, that's the truth. Amen? That's the word of God. Now, don't you stand with me. Do you receive it? Come on, act like you're glad for it then. Give God praise for his word. Don't go home, destroy your wicker furniture. But it does help sometimes to look at, you know, most of the wicker furniture that we see now in stores, you know, this is a weird way to end a sermon, but it's not even, it's plastic. I've got some on my back porch right now. It's plastic, which is pretty cool because it don't go nowhere, you know, just hose it off. But I was sitting out there yesterday knowing what I was going to be preaching today. And, we, you know, it's got those little wicker weave, this little weave to it, you know. And it just reminded me, you know, that's, and, and real wicker furniture is wood that's been twisted. And a lot of us, because of the things that's happened to us, the things that we've been told, we've had people like, that's kind of bad to say, but sometimes it's been a serpent preaching God to us. And they made us doubt God to the point that we failed God. Just like the serpent did to Adam and Eve. He said, you got to do X, Y, and Z in order to be like God. And God said, if you'd have just believed me, I already made you like me and in my image and in my likeness. Who told you that? What voices you've been listening to? What book you've been reading? You're righteous because I gifted that to you. You're holy because I gifted that to you. You're sanctified because I set you apart unto myself. I filled you with my spirit. Man, to think that God don't live in heaven... My little grandkids yesterday, we were sitting outside, had two of them with me, and we, we'd gone to Lakeland's birthday party, and we got home, and we were looking up, and uh, we were just sitting out there. And I said, man, look at that blue sky. Isn't that pretty? And little Addie said, does God live up there? I said, No. She looked at me. I said, he lives in here. He lives in me. And he lives in you. New perspective. I've seen parents, I've heard parents say this. Okay, you, you, you sinned. You, you, you broke God's heart. What do you think God thinks about you right now? You broke his heart. You know what? That crushes my heart. Stop telling people that God's broke and broken because he never is, never has been, and never will be. Oh, yeah, you can grieve him. But he's not grieved with you. He's grieved because what you're doing to you. But he always loves you. God's not. I'm, I'm, last Sunday, we had a little situation. 
with the grandbabies at lunch with one of them. And I just chose to leave. And I, I don't know, I shouldn't tell this stuff. But so we were, we were going to carry all that. We were all going to meet. We were all, we all going to take the grandbaby. My whole life, man, it's, just, it's God my family. <laughs> that's it, man. It's just, that's what I'm living for. God my family. And so we were going to go to the, the, the fair, the carnival, whatever you call it. It was out at the mall. Man, they love that. Boy, you ride by there and they see that fair with all that stuff, they just like freak out, man. And it's just, I, I would just do anything to see them smiles like that. Okay, we're all going to meet. We're all going to meet. All my kids, we're going to meet. And uh, so at lunch, you know, one of, the, one of them was trying to sit in the same chair that the other grandbaby was sitting in. And then there was some shoving going on and all kind of stuff. And, and then I, I, I made that one come over and sit by me because it was the only chair left. And then when that one sat by me, that little grandchild looked at me and said, I don't want you to go to the fair with me. <laughs> Can I honestly tell you that's like a dagger went in my heart. I felt such pain because I'm like, man, I just do everything for you. You're going, you're just going. And I knew the whole root of that. You're trying to hurt me and bravo. <laughs> you know, on target. Not, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm not God. I, I'm feeling, I'm not only feeling hurt, I'm feeling anger. I'm like, just, just get up and, and let's go. I'm not in here and pay your meal and you finna, <laughs> finna shell out money in here. We're at an expensive restaurant. Let's ride. <laughs> and really, so we go to the house. Don't say anything. We'll get home. And, and, and grand, grandbaby sets, turns TV on, started watching TV. And I just, I, I went and I said, what, what, do you, what do you want for lunch? We got to eat. We ain't eat. I said, you want Poppy fix your favorite lunch? He said, yeah. He just looked at me. So his favorite lunch is cutting up French fries, you know, real potatoes into fries. and Anyway, other stuff. So I'm in there going at it. And, uh come in there and he just I could tell he was like freaked out that I'm cooking him his favorite lunch and I, and I, and I, and I looked at him and this is just last Sunday I looked at him and I said listen to him I'll tell you something look at Poppy I said son you will never ever do anything that will make Poppy not love you I said son I loved you before you got out your mama's belly is what I told him I said I loved you before I ever saw you and I said, I will always love you. They won't, you can't do nothing. I said, if you look at Poppy and say, I hate your guts and I want you to die, I still going to love you. I said, I don't like what you do and how you was doing a while ago, but I always love you. And when I said that, this honest God truth, he just, boo, he just blowed up crying. Just, just exploded crying. Big old tears. And I just grabbed him and then he started, he made me start crying. I said, you got to quit crying. You, make, you know, you're making me cry. And we didn't have to talk anymore. I just said, I, and I did say to him, I said, I said, this is what you call unconditional love. I try to use every little window I get to teach them grandbabies how much God loves them. And I said, 
Poppy will always love you. You'll never do anything that will ever make me not love you. I will always love you. I always will love you. And man, that just seemed like it just made his heart so strong. I even felt it stronger to me. And boy, he ate a good lunch. <laughs> and then my, anyway. We went on to the fair. I had to persuade his mama a little bit, let him go, not take it from him. <laughs> we went on to the fair. Man, he had the best time. He had the best time. That's the way God does you. I ain't him, but I'm supposed to reflect him. He's the sun. I'm just the moon. You know what I'm saying? All my light comes from him. But I sure want to be a full moon. I want to be able to display as much of him as I can to people when they're in the dark. And I want my kids to know that God don't fluctuate up and down and do all that stuff, man. He loves you. And if your foundation every day you get up is I'm the beloved of God. Now, if a little old weak man like me can display even just a little bit of that kind of unconditional love, how much more? I mean, do you really believe God's like that with you? Do you believe he loves us no matter what? That it never fluctuates? It's not up and down? He's not sitting in a swivel chair? He's not turning his back against us? All that, kind of, all that junk you hear? No. He's always there. And in fact, if you look at him, he'll say, I'll never leave you. And, and, and on your worst time, you just, you just screwed up royally. And he's like, what do you want for lunch? You want your favorite lunch? You need help today? Can I help you do this? You want to, there's my presence. I love you. I'm still with you. But, but God, didn't you just see what I just, don't matter. Didn't you just hear me tell you I don't want to go to church? I hate you. I ain't going to go to the fair with you. I still love you. You're still my kid. I'm going to go to the fair with you anyway because I'm there before you get there. <laughs> I'm omnipresent. Have you, take a, come on. I'm always there. You can't outrun me. You can't outlive me. You can't outthink me. You can't outlove me. You can't outforgive me. So you might as well just throw both hands up and say hallelujah and surrender and enjoy it. Because he's going to keep pursuing you. Because he paid too much for you. Man, this last five minutes of this sermon was the best part of all of it. <laughs> Amen. Come on, elders and leaders, let's pray for people if they want it, desire it, need it, want it. Hallelujah. Like one man said, you need to prayer, we need to practice. Hallelujah. Hey, we're here to serve you. We're here to love you. We're here to pray with you if you want prayer for any reason. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust in him. Receive him as your Savior if you've not done so. Greatest day of your life. Greatest moment of your existence. Amen. God bless you, Grace Point. We love you. Go enjoy this day. Hey, if you want prayer, come this way. God bless you. We love you.